It's the news for December 2014, this week on the Upper Memory Block Podcast. And happy holidays! Welcome to episode 63 of the Upper Memory Block podcast, the December UMB News, and the last UMB cast for 2014, because today's the 30th, tomorrow's the 31st, and after that, hey, it's 2015, and we're ready to start with a whole new year of uh, of great uh, DOS and pre-Windows XP gaming memories. But before that, this is uh, you know one of my shorter monthly news-only shows, uh, which of course is brought to you guys by all of you. Who are donating to the show over at patreon.com slash umbcast. I'm really glad that, uh, you know, I've had the time over the holidays now, uh, you know, between Christmas and New Year's to sit down, do this thing. The holidays, as usual, have been uh, been a little bit hectic. Uh, you know, my parents were down from Montreal visiting and we were at the in-laws and, you know, three or four straight days of just cooking and eating and wrapping gifts and opening gifts and eating some more and drinking and then drinking again and then eating again and then drinking again. So, you know, the past two days, uh, the wife and I kind of took, um, you know, the time off between Christmas and New Year's, just uh, three days. I think we're both going into work on Friday, which is a little bit silly, but hey, what are you going to do? Why not? Why, why burn another vacation day when at least you have a Friday to catch up on emails and stuff? But um yeah, you know, it's nice. We, we've taken these few days to kind of relax and take it easy. She's out with friends right now. I'm doing the podcast. And, uh, you know, just having an enjoyable uh, interstitial time between the two holidays and uh, and all that. I hope everyone else had, uh, everyone, all you guys had uh, had a good holiday, uh, whatever it is, you know, you're celebrating, whatever thing. And uh, we all celebrate New Year's, so that's, that's tomorrow night. And we don't have anything huge planned, but we're going to see friends on New Year's Day. And tomorrow night, we'll probably just, you know, cook up some some nice food for ourselves and stay in. We used to go out and do crazy stuff. You know, I used to go to raves and, uh, you know, hit it hard over there and, uh, you know, go to parties and drink all night and, and this and that. And and that was great. And, and I enjoyed that. But uh, I guess all that stuff is sort of past me now. <laughs> and uh, I guess that's what happens when you start to get older. But, uh, you know, I think we're looking forward to a, to a quiet night indoors and... Uh, you know, maybe we're still going to do some drinking, but uh, it won't be uh, it won't be open bar. <laughs> or actually, it will be open bar because we already paid for the alcohol. But uh, anyways, I hope you guys all have a safe and uh, enjoyable New Year's Eve. And uh, let's get on with things. So first in the news, uh, I want to talk about a game that uh, I talked about quite a while ago, Star Control. Now. I'm not intimately familiar with the details, but uh, for a long time, and I think I even mentioned it on the show, uh, there's been an open source project called uh, the Urquan Masters, which is uh, a fan-made open source port of Star Control 2. Uh, Well, it seems that back in 2012, uh, a team took that project, that open source project, they forked it, which basically means 
They took a copy of it and they started doing their own thing with it. And they began on what they are calling the Urquan Masters HD, which is a full remake of, uh, of the original game with both uh, a version of the original graphics and a high-res graphics mode. So, you know, from the screenshots on, on both their site and on their Facebook page, the high-res mode looks really great. Uh, back in October, I guess I missed this until now, but back in October, the game entered beta 1, and uh, it can be downloaded from their site or from moddb.com or direct from SourceForge. Uh, if you're a Star Control 2 fan, I'd absolutely give it a look. It looks pretty cool. Uh, if anyone's played it, I know there's a lot of big Star Control fans uh, out there in... Uh, in blocker land, if you will. Uh, if you played it, if you liked it, if you didn't like it, uh, drop me a line, podcast at umbcast.com. I'd love to get uh, love to get your thoughts on it and uh, and all of that. Of course, I'll post uh, the link in the show notes, but you can get it at Urquan Masters. That's U-R-Q-U-A-N MastersHD.com. Next, we've got a few pieces, two pieces, in fact, of Double Fine news. So firstly, back on October 26th, Greg from Double Fine posted on the Double Fine Adventure Kickstarter uh, backer updates and on the Double Fine forums that uh, Broken Age Act 2 is, in fact, on schedule for release in what he referred to as early 2015. Now, that probably means, I guess, Q1, which is the first quarter of the year, but uh, both halves of the game, he says, are uh, are ready for alpha playtesting, and uh, detailed artwork, voiceovers, and all that stuff are are being started. Uh, according to the post, about half of the work is done for uh, Shay's half of Act Two, because if you remember, Broken Age is split up into two storylines: one uh, of a girl from a small village, who I believe that's Shay, and another of a boy aboard a spaceship, whose name I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Uh, you know, I know Tim Schafer's gotten a lot of flack recently, even from me. <laughs> you know, I think in the past news show, uh, the last news show, I uh, I talked about him a little bit. But, uh, you know, Double Fine seems to have gotten into a little bit of a groove here with Broken Age. It looks like they're, they're chugging along. Their post says the team has grown. You know, they've got money, this and that. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed the first act well enough. I thought it was a well-done adventure game. It had a really cool style, a really cool art style. The voice acting was good. Uh, it was a bit short. The puzzles were a bit easy, but, uh, I will be interested to see what act two brings us. I'm also not sure off the top of my head if uh, this will end the storyline or if there's going to be an act three. If any of you guys know, let me know. Uh, I didn't see anything about that in, uh, in my readings, but, uh, I think, you know, three act is kind of a, a standard structure, but Hey, who knows? And you can find that post at doublefine.com at the doublefine.com forums link in the show notes as always. Also in Double Fine news, yet another classic game remake announcement. So back on December 8th at the PlayStation Experience, Tim Schafer took to the stage and made an announcement that I'd never thought I'd hear. So in addition to Grim Fandango, which will be hitting the PS4 and the PC very soon, Double Fine is also apparently working on a remastered, a fully authorized remastered version of one of my all-time favorite adventure games, Day of the Tentacle. Well, work on the game is in very early stages. Uh, Schaefer says that uh, the whole team is in agreement that the game will most likely remain uh, in 2D and keep the same kind of Chuck Jones, Looney Tunes-esque art style, which uh, which we expect from, you know, Day of the Tentacle. Uh, you know, between this, Grim Fandango, the GOG deal, and stuff like that, you know, I'm feeling better and better about this whole LucasArts killed Disney acquisition thing. 
uh, in the Polygon article I'll be linking in the show notes, Schaefer says the following about how these remake and uh, distribution deals have come about. And I quote, There were just some people at Disney, Sony, and Lucasfilm that care about these games. They're old enough that some of these people who are executives played them when they were kids. I've been really impressed with the fact that these kind of deals have come together because there's so many reasons for this deal not to happen. There's so many parties involved and so many people who could have said no that it really took a passionate drive by people in the right places to escort it through the process. End quote. Now, this makes me immeasurably happy and gives me even more hope that, you know, we'll see re-releases and remakes of even more games. You know, maybe a remastered Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis with Harrison Ford, you know, doing the voices or something like that. That'd be awesome. Uh, updated graphics with for games like X-Wing and TIE Fighter. Uh, full throttle remake. I mean, the game looks pretty good as it is, but imagine in like HD with, you know, beautiful animation. Wow. Uh, hell, Loom with, you know, a fully orchestrated score. Uh, even new games using the old IPs, maybe a new indie adventure, maybe, you know, a, a sequel to Loom, maybe a, a sequel to Full Throttle. These would be awesome. I mean, ah, I'm excited. I'm very, very excited. Now, one thing that they didn't mention is Maniac Mansion. Now, to be fair, I played Day of the Tentacle before I played Maniac Mansion, and I enjoyed Day of the Tentacle very much without a ton of, uh, shall we say, lore, you know, background story knowledge. Um, But wouldn't it make sense to remake the original before you remake the sequel? I mean, Maniac Mansion is an iconic game in its own right. You know, maybe they're comfortable making these deals with Schaefer and not so much with uh, Ron Gilbert or something like that. Or I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the politics are behind it. And I know you can play Maniac Mansion within the original version of Dot, which uh, was was a really awesome Easter egg at the time, which I'm going to talk about when I do eventually cover these games. But, uh, you know, I wonder, maybe, if an enhanced version of Maniac Mansion would exist in the same spot in the new game, or at least the original. You know, you could go back, play the original Maniac Mansion. I think that'd be pretty, pretty interesting. Okay, so here is an interesting one in educational news. Uh, Many of you may remember uh, the educational game, edutainment title, if you will, uh, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego and all the other associated uh, sequels to that game. Well, on December 3rd, the, the Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego Facebook page posted an image of what can only be Carmen's signature hat along with the caption, Breaking news, guess who is coming back? Now, this led to, of course, speculation that a new game would be coming out. And this speculation led to an announcement by educational publisher Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. Apparently, Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, or Dunder Mifflin Paper, no. (laughs) Uh, Apparently, that company, in uh, in association with Intel, are releasing a new game in the Carmen Sandiego series. Now, we don't know much else about it at this point, but I'm assuming you'll be chasing Carmen and her gang of criminals all over the world and learning about other countries, unique destinations and history as you go. Now, I played the original 1983 game back in elementary school, way back when in the 80s. And uh, I was a huge fan when I was a kid of, uh, of the PBS game show that ran from 1991 to 1995. Uh, both the games and the game show reminded me how bad I was at geography and how bad I was at history and realized that those kids on that show and the people who made this game are way smarter than I am. But anyways, this is really, really interesting news. Uh, I actually haven't thought about Carmen Sandiego very much in a very long time. It was never a huge part 
of my gaming history. Uh, like I said, I played it in school a little bit. I played it at friends' houses. I never really owned any of them. But, uh, you know, that, now that I remember, that TV show was just like, uh, was a crap show of people running around and people knowing stuff about things that I didn't know. And and I think I watched it pretty religiously. It just, it just slipped my mind for many, many, many years. So I'm excited to see what this is all about. Will I play it? Meh, probably not. But, uh, you know, for kids that, uh, and even people that want to learn more about geography and history, it's a great resource. And we can't, it seems like we can't get through a news show without talking space sims. So space sim news uh, on December 16th, as I was, uh, I may have mentioned in the last show, I know I talked about the game in the last show, but uh, Elite Dangerous released on December 16th. Now, since I was a Star Citizen backer, I sort of stayed away from Elite. Uh, the reason being that I knew that if I got really involved in, uh, in you know, seeing what Elite was all about and looking at screenshots and looking at video, I knew I wouldn't be able to keep my money in my pocket. So, uh, you know, I kind of stayed away because I didn't want to pay the $70 or so to get into the beta. And I feel, you know, this is kind of like, I've mentioned this before, but these beta access, early access things, they kind of ruin games for me a little bit. Like, you know, I had early access to Star Citizen. I played it for a couple of hours or I played it for an hour or so, said, eh, okay. And now all this new stuff has come out. And I haven't revisited it. Why? Because I feel like I went, I saw, and now I'm going to wait for it to come out. And even when it comes out, because I've already seen stuff, it's it's less exciting to me. So with that in mind, you know, it came out December 16th. Well, Christmas came. And on December 26th, Boxing Day here in Canada, uh, I bought a copy of Elite Dangerous. Now, I plan on doing an Elite show very soon. So I'll have my deep impressions then, but for now, all I'll say is this, you know, I bought Elite Dangerous on the 26th, it's now the 30th, I haven't played so much of a game in such a short amount of time for years, like I was staying up late playing it, I was getting up early to play it, Uh, you know, this game is everything I could want in uh, what I like to call a space trucker game, I mean, you can run cargo, you can mine asteroids, you can bounty hunt, you can pirate, basically anything you want to do, frankly, I always wanted to like EVE Online, but I was never really able to because to me, it wasn't really a space sim. I didn't actually fly a ship. I think that's changed or it's changing. But like I said, with Star Citizen, I tried EVE Online. I didn't like it. And now it's not even that I didn't like it. I didn't not like it. I just didn't love it. And it, it didn't grab me enough for me to want to continue paying for it because it's an MMO and you know to spend the time that was needed to, to play it properly. But... Because I always wanted to, I, I always wanted to like it, and I couldn't. And I think it's because this Elite Dangerous, at least gameplay-wise, is what I wish Eve was like. I mean, this game, a lot like the original Elite, it doesn't hold your hand very much. It doesn't tell you what to do aside from a couple of simple training missions. You know, right now I'm just of my own accord because I feel like it. I'm I'm working up to a new trading ship, and I'm having a blast figuring out how to play the market, how to deliver things here to there how to freaking approach a station without overshooting it in super cruise mode. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. And it, this is also one of those games that, you know, if you leave it for a while, you come back, you'll have to get a handle on the controls again. I have everything mapped to my joystick, all interestingly. And, uh, you know, I want to get a HOTAS. I really want to play this game with an Oculus Rift, though, uh, as you'll find out in the Strife episode, I don't know if I'll be able to use an Oculus Rift because of some uh, 
shall we say, uh, motion sickness issues. <laughs> but uh, if anyone else is playing Elite Dangerous, hit me up. I'm BillyBob476. As always, uh, you can friend me. We can do some runs together, do whatever it is. I've been playing pretty much on my own, just trying to get a handle on things. But I've got a few friends on my friends list already. I'd love to have you on it as well. Uh, you can buy Elite Dangerous from the game site at EliteDangerous.com for $60 USD, or I believe $34, uh, 34 uh, British pounds, which is what uh, I had to pay for some odd reason. <laughs> So in other release news, Satellite Rain, the spiritual successor to Syndicate and Syndicate Wars, is now available via Steam Early Access for around 30 US dollars. Now, I believe I talked about this Kickstarter when it first released, you know, back in 2013, I think. Uh, this project is being held by Mike Diskett, or maybe it's Mike Diskett, which uh, is a very apropos name for a PC game designer. Uh he was one of the designers on Syndicate Wars. I think one of the lead designers on Syndicate Wars, and he's the creative lead on Satellite Rain. Um, again, haven't given it a go. I I might have backed it. I actually have to go back and look because I get backer emails from them, but I don't actually remember giving them money. Anyways, if anyone is planning on giving a Satellite Rain a go or you have given Satellite Rain a go, let me know You know what you think over at podcast.umbcast.com. Next, unfortunately, a little bit of sad news. Now, people who've been around the gaming industry longer than I have uh, might be familiar with the name Ralph Baer. Now, Baer designed a device in the late 60s, which uh, he simply called the Brown Box. Now, the Brown Box later became the Magnavox Odyssey after Baer sold his uh, copyright and made a ton of money. Uh, and the Brown Box is arguably the world's first video game console, at least the world's first video game console as we know video game consoles. Now, it wasn't much to look at, but uh, the Brown Box, as I just said, created what remains, even today, the template for what a video game console is. That is, it's basically a self-contained computer uh, in a box with a fixed set of specifications. It connects to a television, and it is controlled via one or more attached controllers. Now, sadly... Bear passed away earlier this month at the age of 92. Though he's gone, his le legacy will live on every time someone fires up a, a game console. Uh, you know, in addition to the brown box, I think he also made uh, one of the first light guns, kind of similar to, um, you know, the Nintendo Zapper. Huge, huge presence in the, in the video game industry. Huge legacy that's going to live on probably for a really, really long time until, uh, you know, the structure or template of, of a game console drastically changes but uh aside from that you know a big loss to the gaming world finally on the 6th of this december uh the game awards aired now usually it aired on tv i think it was on spike or something like that i don't really watch tv so i didn't really uh i don't think i get those channels i have very basic cable because it's cheaper for me to have cable than to not have cable for some reason cord cutting, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> now, usually, like I said, these TV aired game award shows are they're pretty crap. It's just like ads and stupidness. And, you know, this show too was, was sort of crap. But, uh, you know, it was crappy except for uh, the Industry Icon Award. Now, this, uh, this award, which is a new award, it was just created this year, uh, and uh, for the first time was presented to none other than Ken and Roberta Williams for their work, you know, founding Sierra and, you know, kind of 
defining the gaming space, the gaming industry as they did, you know, in their time there. Now, here's a bit of uh, an excerpt from their, I guess, their acceptance speech. As always, Ken and Roberta are just great. You know, they're humble and grateful. And well, I know some Sierra fans and former employees have some more negative views of them. And, you know, in the later years when things became big business, it's hard to, you know, stay yourself and all that. But, you know, we wouldn't be where we are today without them. So, uh, so let's listen to this little, uh, this little bit here. Wow. Okay, thank you, everyone. Um, I didn't get to see the video at the beginning, so apologies if this is reruns, but um, uh, it was almost exactly, almost to the day, 35 years ago, that um, I was playing an adventure game that was all text on a, a teletype machine. In those days, we had acoustic modems and 300 baud, which nobody here can relate to. But, um, you know, I, and Roberta saw me playing it and kind of took over the screen. And um, a few days later, she said, we got to go to dinner. And she took me to dinner and spent the evening uh, describing her vision for what a game could be. And at the time, I was working on a compiler. I had this big vision of being uh, the next Bill Gates, who um, wasn't Bill Gates in those days. But um, oh, OK, she wants to see the award. <laughs> but um, you know, she spent the evening kind of describing this murder mystery while people at other tables were looking at us like we were wacky. and. Um, and then uh, she said, why don't you build it instead of the compiler? And I did. And then suddenly the company kind of grew and grew and grew. And it's weird to think that um, that dinner was like in November of 79. And I think we released the product in like May of 80, which a lot of the developers here know is a fairly rapid schedule, especially with uh, one programmer, one artist. And uh, that's about it. But anyway, uh, before I turn over to Roberta, I should thank, I guess, all the people of Sierra, all the fans. All the people that still remember us this many years later. And um, I know, we'll let her talk. Well, I broke it. Oh, oh I don't have any hands. Okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm a shorty, you know. So, uh, well, thank you everybody for coming and, and for the award from the, the, the Games Awards show. and. I'm, I'm just surprised I'm here and just can't believe it. If you guys can believe it, it's been 17 years for me since I've been out of business. And uh, time goes by fast, but I appreciate it so much. Everybody coming and... <laughs> well, I appreciate you too. Thank you so much, and uh, sorry I don't have anything to show you. I don't have a game anymore, but although we do have, there is a new King's Quest coming, and uh, I've had an advanced look at it, and it looks awesome. I do want to play it very much, and uh, as such, um, I'd like to introduce the new designers, the designer and the producer for the game, um, and that would be Matt Corba and Lindsay Rostel from The Odd Gentlemen, who are the, gonna be the new designers, and that will be through Activision for the new King's Quest. And as I've mentioned before, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that new King's Quest as well. They uh, went on, the new designers came up, they did, gave a little talk, and then they showed, uh, they showed a little bit of a, uh, the, the teaser uh, video, if you will, 
Uh, seems like there's a bit more of an action element to the game, but it's still, I'm sure, very much an adventure. And uh, I think I talked about this already, but, uh, you know, as always, I'll keep you posted on that. And it was really, really great, like I said, to hear from uh, from Ken and Roberta and just hear, you know, we know they're doing well and everything, but it's just great to, to see them and hear them and they look great and, and everything. So uh, congrats very much to them for a very well-deserved uh, award. So that's that nice little, uh, nice little news show for December. Uh, don't forget if you haven't listened to the last episode and if you haven't, why haven't you shouldn't be skipping <laughs> anyways? Um, if you haven't listened to the last show, don't forget about the broken sword giveaway. If you want your own copy of, uh, of the first broken sword, I believe it's the director's cut, which, uh, will also include the original game. Uh, drop me a line, send me an email to podcast at umbcast.com with the subject line broken sword giveaway. I may give it, uh, a little bit more time because of the holidays. People are you know, a little behind. I know I'm behind on my podcast listening. So uh, I won't choose them the next show, but probably the show after that. Just to kind of give uh, give everyone a chance to uh, to get their their application, to get their, their ballot in, if you will. So upcoming next week on the uh, the regular UMB cast, we'll be covering uh, we'll be covering strife, like I said last show. Um, as always. You can email me about this show or any others at podcast at umbcast.com. Said that a couple times. Anything you guys want to talk about, be it games, be it news, be it whatever, send me an email. I read like 99% of them on the show. Of course, the reason we're doing this news-only show at all is thanks to my great patrons over at patreon.com slash umbcast. If you find some value in the show, please consider joining my 24 current patrons in donating a buck or two per episode to help me with the costs and to hit the next goal of monthly giveaways. Also, in the next few weeks, look for our first group discussion show to come out. $5 and higher backers. Keep an eye on your inboxes. I'm going to be organizing that, uh, like I said, in the next uh, few weeks. You can check out the show notes for this show and every other show at umbcast.com. Join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash umbcast. Follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash umbshow and me personally at twitter.com slash billybob476. You can also find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash umbcast where I put up videos on my game research sessions. Uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Stream us live at Stitcher Radio. Give us five stars. All that stuff. I love the reviews. Uh, and so, like I started doing in the last show, uh, I'm going to play something on the, on the outro here. And I did have something different chosen for this month's outro music, but I'm going to push that off to next month because talking about the new Carmen Sandiego game got me nostalgic for the old TV show. So I had to Google the theme song and throw it at the end. Uh, those of you who watched the show should get a kick out of this. It's a really great kind of acapella type thing, which uh, has stuck in my head for many, many years. Uh, those of you that didn't watch the show, well, it's catchy. Apologies for getting it stuck in your head. So that's that. And I'll see you next week with Strife. Well, she sneaks around the world from Vienna to Carolina. She's a sticky-fingered filcher from Berlin down to Belize. She'll take you for a ride on a slow-motion China. Tell me where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Steal their soul in South Korea. Make it let it come right on the from the Red Sea to Greenland. They'll be singing the blues. Well, they never Arkansas her steal the main come from the the world is Carmen San Diego. She drove from Nashville to Norway, out there to 
Zimbabwe, Chicago to Czechoslovakia and back. Well, she'll ransack Pakistan and run a scan in Scandinavia. Then she'll stick them up down under and go pick a pocket She was the missing misdemeanor when she stole the beans from Lima. Tell me where in the world is Carmen San Diego? San Diego. Oh, tell me. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Tell me. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Where could she be? Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Where 